Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We want to welcome everyone this morning. If you're guests with us today, we're so glad you're here worshiping with us this morning. Amen. If you're watching us on theantioch.com, we welcome you into this service this morning. If you're homesick, our prayers are with you in Jesus' name. Praise God. We want to say how awesome it is, special here. He's here for us, uh, with us uh, this weekend, or there with us this weekend, celebrate Bishop Wright's 70th birthday, but it's great to have Brother Shelton and uh, uh, Sister Shelton and their daughters are here with us worshiping this weekend. Brother Shelton is going to be uh, ministering some this evening, flowing in the Holy Ghost, so I encourage you to come be a part of that. It's also good to see Josh and Amy here with us. Coming back to the East Coast. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. If you're physically able to stand, would you please stand? It's so good to have back with us. Again, doesn't need any introduction at this point. It's been here enough, but it's still good. Can we put our hands together and give God praise and show our appreciation to Brother Morgan as he comes? God bless you. Continue to clap your hands unto the Lord. Two, that's all right, fellows. We're gonna we're going to switch horses in midstream. Thank you for what a lovely job you were going to do, though. Amen. There were two ladies that loved the Lord very much and were busy having church with him. And he responded to them in a certain way. He said, "Mary, you are you're encumbered with much." That's, that's good, but it's not necessary. I stood on this platform this morning and could not help but wonder how much we're doing that's good, but not necessary. <clears throat> we are in a, a season of change, and that's a good thing. It's okay for you to say amen. It's a season of change, and change is good. You're born changing. Uh, your molecular cells change daily you cast off dead cells daily if you don't change you die if you ever quit changing you die the only way not to change is to die so churches that don't change die so you can resist change or die i choose life well it's already powerful here today i choose life i choose to live i choose the exuberance the excitement that deep breath that comes in the knowledge of knowing jesus it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to know that he's in charge. It's a great feeling to know that he's in charge. Amen. Amen. But I, I, I stood here today and, and could not help but reflect on uh, what a moment it must have been for Jesus to kind of chastise the one lady and um, compliment the other in the fact that they were both busy. Um, but that one decided that all of the busyness and all of the stuff would become unnecessary. And all she really wanted to do was get close to Jesus. The second thing I reflected on is how the people that are supposed to be so spiritual, us, us, how we talk in tongues and travail and intercede and tear down kingdoms and all this kind of stuff, um, can't win a soul. 
You see, if you're really as spiritual as I act, I have the nature of Christ. If I have the nature of Christ, the spirit of Christ, uh, then I'll do exactly what Christ did. I won't always be talking in tongues and tearing down principalities and powers, but I'll be reaching for the lost. I feel like we are encumbered about with much today, but a lot of it's not necessary. And, and you can get quiet. It's, it's, it's okay. I can preach in libraries. Um, but I, I don't think that we're comprehending fully how glorious of a moment uh, that is upon this particular people today. I think that I think that we've gotten gotten so blinded by stuff, and we are distracted. We're distracted at the most crucial moment at harvest. The devil is a wise old fox. If I could catch him, I'd throw him in a box. I'd lock that box for all the tricks. That's what we learned in Sunday school, that he is a sly old fox. He plays tricks on the church. And sometimes he can get you at that crucial moment when God is fixing to blow your mind and get you to looking around at trivial, frivolous, minute stuff and miss your moment. Timing is everything. You can be early or late. But either way, you miss it. And to miss it is, is to die. You, you can't afford to miss your moment. You can't afford to miss the time. Um, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw him high and lifted up. I saw his train fill the temple. What a statement. What a moment. What a revelation Isaiah had. But it was only after Uzziah died. It was only after the distractions that had so encumbered Isaiah's moment in life. It's when they were eliminated that he finally saw what he was supposed to see. This church is at this moment where things that God has promised, the word of God that has uh, so eloquently flowed across this pulpit that God is saying, I'm here to do that for you now. I won't do it like you want me to do it. And it won't come from the direction you think it's going to come from. But I'm going to do what I promised you that I would do because I'm God and I don't lie. I'm God and I don't lie. I don't change. What I told you I would do, I would do. I preached you here recently that when even Sarah and Abraham, he promised them the child. And they doubted. It was some years later that the angel of the Lord revisited them. And the Bible says that Sarah laughed in her tent. And God heard the laughter. And he said, you just need to remind the chick that if I promise something, I'll do it. And I will revisit her. And will give her again the season of life. Now you're talking to a woman that had a dead womb. And the Lord said, I'm going to restore the womb. I'm not just going to give her a baby. I'm going to restore the womb. I'm going to give her the season of life that she thought she missed. One of these moments we're going to figure out that God really is in charge of the church. And he doesn't need our help to get it done. He can restore, rebuild, or create new. Everything that's necessary to do what he promised you he would do. God's in charge of the church. I'm not in charge. They're not in charge. You're not in charge. God is in charge of the church. God's in charge of the church. God's going to take care of the church. Amen. Several minutes ago, the Holy Ghost moved in here in such a powerful way. And I think that sometimes... We so limit, we so limit what God is capable of doing 
by, by our understanding and the filtering process of our own carnal minds. Amen. What good does it do me to cast out devils? What good does it do me to pray? What good does it do me to travail and intercede if the most basic part of Christianity is not met? Sometimes I think we wear, or we get this spirituality and we wear it as a cloak and we, we disguise, we hide things under the cloak of spirituality. I don't know if you're talking in tongues, if it's right or not. God does. You, you could fool me by your tongue talking. You, you look, you look good enough. You'll fool me with your look. However, if you're the right tree, there will be fruit on your tree. Fool me for a year. That's okay. Some trees, it takes seven years to bear fruit. But given enough time, if you have not borne what you're supposed to bear, something is drastically wrong with the tree. I come to the conclusion that if I'm going to preach to others to be a soul winner, and that is the mandate of all of us, I need to win a soul. I think you're disqualified to preach if you're not a soul winner. And I, I'm, I'm a preacher, and you know what I'm doing? A little out of kelter for me, but you need to hear me. I think you're out, I think you're out of order. I, I, think, I think you need to grab a Bible and go win a soul. Preachers. If you're not a soul winner, what do you have to tell me? For the basic, the fundamental part of Christianity is go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Go preach the gospel. Go be a soul winner. And after you've won a soul, yes, there's discipling. Yes, the part of Christianity must, must be implemented. We, we all, we all love the Pauline epistles, but don't jump past the Pauline epistles if you've not read and practiced Matthew 28, 19. And we are going to preach here in just a minute. Um, but, you know, preaching sometimes becomes the drug of Pentecost. I know some of you just sitting there waiting on me to get going. Um, people have my coat taking off timed. That, that's okay. But preaching sometimes becomes the drug of choice of Pentecost because it's dynamic. And uh, we... we I know this is a poor analogy. We get our fix through preaching. We don't hear it. We respond to it, but we don't hear it. Jesus, through the prophet of the Old Testament, said there's going to be the greatest famine of the end time. The greatest famine of the end time. He said, hear me, the greatest famine of the end time will not be of bread or water. It will not be of food or substance. It will be the hearing of the word. It's not that the word's not being preached. It's that people have become so deafened to it, desensitized to it, that they've lost the ability to hear it. We are a soul winning. First, we are a soul winning, apostolic, Pentecostal church. Now those three things says a whole lot. We are soul winners. But we are apostolic. We are Pentecostal. We talk in tongues. We run the aisles. Even on Sunday morning. A little less on Sunday morning than Sunday night. But we, we run the aisles on Sunday morning. This isn't a dead church. This isn't a dead body. This, this, this is life. This is joy unspeakable. This is full of glory. This feels like fire shut up in my bones. 
and the half hasn't yet been told. This is, come on, this is what we are. We are apostolic of doctrine. We are Pentecostal by experience. We believe in the book of Acts. We follow the Pauline epistles. Amen. 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 Whoever makes it to the altar today seeking the Holy Ghost ought to leave today full of the Holy Ghost. That's your job. Amen. We're going to preach this. Give me a minute here. I think the Lord is doing great things. I think the foundation has been laid. Um, but we've, we've got to, we've got to, we got to up our game. We got to up our game. Eli was the high priest of the temple. His job, his job was to minister. Everybody say that was his job. But the lesser or the other priests, poor choice of word, the other priest also had responsibility. The people had responsibility. There was lights in the temple. And the lights had to be trimmed and filled every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. That was their job. That's what they did. So the priest could do his job. The problem was the guys that were supposed to light the candles, trim the wicks and fill the oil, didn't do it. And Eli's eyes got so old that they waxed dim. And he couldn't do what he was supposed to do because others didn't do what they were supposed to do. And the end result is the Ark of the Covenant was lost because the ear of the lamp of God went out in the temple. The light went out. Before the ark was lost. But the reason the light went out is because the people wouldn't do what they were supposed to do. It is your responsibility today, tonight, next Sunday, next Sunday night, as long as there's church here, to create an environment where the drug addict is delivered. Where the alcoholic is delivered. Where the oppressed is uplifted. Well... I, I come to receive. I, 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 I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time with that. We've gotten church so about us. Is it really supposed to be all about us every service? When's the last time you took your match and lit the lamp? When's the last time you took your oil and poured it in the candlestick? When's the last time you contributed to a moment where somebody's life was changed? It's a sad day when people are seeking the Holy Ghost in this altar and they leave without the Holy Ghost. You ought to take that personal. Well, we may not preach. You ought to take that personal. For there to be somebody here today that leaves without the Holy Ghost, that ought to be an indictment against you and me. Well, we had good church. What happened? What a powerful service. What happened? You felt good. May I be crude? You got your fix, but it will only last a while. And then you'll come back and want more. Let me tell you where your greatest joy is. Having children. That's it. My greatest joy is in my children. That's what Paul said. Paul also said, for I am a debtor to the Greek, the Jew, the believer, the unbeliever, to ever I owe God a debt. And the only way to repay the debt, win a soul. Love the lost. Let's quit making church all about us. Let's build us to a place where the world can come and walk in the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that the world may see.
that there is a city set up on a hill that cannot be hid. There is a light that will not be hid. Thank you, sir. I'm glad at least one person believes it in the morning. Some of the frustration that some of you are feeling is God stirring the nest. You've become very complacent. You've let these great men of God from Bishop down feed you and feed you and feed you and feed you and feed you. And you serve ribeyes and steak and shrimp and lobster and crab cakes. And and it's become, it's almost become your greatest issue in a negative sense. Boy, this isn't how you get more revivals, but it is the truth. You know, you just keep eating and keep eating. If there's not exercise or way to burn it, what happens? You just get um, obese. (laughs) That's what happens. And so when it comes time to praise, you don't feel like it. You don't have the energy. Comes time to climb spiritual stairs, you you take an elevator, you look for the easy way because you just don't have the energy. Folks, listen to me. When people are in your altar seeking the Holy Ghost, that's that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. It's really not about understanding the seven vials and trumpets, because whether you understand it or not, it ain't gonna change it. It's gonna happen regardless. But that soul gonna die. And they're going to go into eternity and spend it one place or the other. You have everything to do with that. May God forgive us of being encumbered about with much. But not doing what was necessary. And that is, God, make me a soul winner. I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back uh, or or to compliment myself. But I, I, I believe in winning souls. Just because I evangelize or pastor does not forgive me from winning souls. There's a family, now there's two families in Fort Smith, Arkansas, uh, that go to church there, that call it their home, because I found them. Because every day I'm looking for somebody to find. Every day. It, it doesn't matter what I do, every day I'm looking for somebody to find. Because I believe that every day God is finding somebody. And it may be me he'll use to find that somebody. But if I'm not ready to find that somebody for him, that somebody may not get found. That bothers me. Well, you need to be praying and studying. No, I need to be winning a soul. Because there's nothing more important than winning a soul. Boy, we're going to segue hard to the right here in just a few minutes. There's nothing more important than you winning a soul. Zip. I don't care how much you pray and fast and seek the Lord. That's not more important than winning a soul. It's just not. It's not more important. And then when you get here, your job's done. You are to magnify and exalt the wonderful presence of God and build such an atmosphere that this place is charged with the Holy Ghost. And then let the men of God go to work. Let them articulate the word. Let the word then go to work. It'll work. It'll work every time. It'll work on everybody. It'll work any place, every place. I feel faith in this house. This is what we've got to get. 
Amen. Amen. I was going a complete different direction this morning, but on this platform, I feel challenged of the Lord to preach to you. Galatians chapter 4, if you'll go there with me. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for letting me come back to Brother and Sister Shelton. I salute you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. I love and appreciate this family, great men and women of God. You believe that today? Amen. To the rights, to Bishop, to every man of God in this place, and to the most wonderful of all the saints of Jesus' name. I salute you in Jesus' name. Galatians chapter 4. Now you're quiet. You, you think you got spanked. You didn't really get spanked. You got helped. There's a big difference. Amen. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, look at your neighbor and say, that's a child. The heir, as long as he is a differeth nothing from a servant, though he be you got to get this this morning. The heir is no different from the child. Though the child, though the child is Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors, say it with me, until the time, until the time appointed of, oh, help us today, Holy Ghost. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of this world. That's okay. It's what you come out of. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of. Work with me. And because ye are, I'll say it again. And because ye are, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant. But a son, watch, watch, watch the terminology here. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Wherefore, thou art no more servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Look at your neighbor and repeat after me. I am a son, not a servant. Big difference. Say it with feeling. Big difference. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Come on, everybody, clap your hands, make a joyful noise. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I want to compliment the singers, the musicians here today. That I want inscribed on my epitaph. I do not believe as you have already found out that the power of God falls upon us. I do not believe that there is a whole lot left in the heavens that will come to the church. I am a contender that everything that God wants the church to have, He has already empowered us, granted us, or given us, Everything that God needs us to have, he has already instilled into the church. I am not waiting on the power to fall upon me. I am trying to find the key of letting the power out of me. The power of the cross is in me. The power of God's crucifixion is in me. 
The power of healing is in me. The power of deliverance is in me. The power to be set free is in me. The power to raise the dead, open blinded eyes, and stop the deaf ears is in me. Because God manifested himself, was justified, seen of angels, preached of the Gentiles, and received up into glory. But he did not leave us comfortless. He told us, I'm waiting on some apostolics to help me. He told us, I must go away because if I don't go away, then the comforter cannot come. I will no longer be with you. I will be in you. I will no longer be with you. I will be in you. So today I celebrate the mighty God in Christ. But along with the celebration of the mighty God in Christ, I celebrate Christ in me. That may not excite you, but it really excites me. Because if all power was given to Christ, and Colossians 2.9 says the mystery is Christ in me. That means that the power that Jesus Christ had in the earth, the church has in the earth. We are not weaker than, we are not lesser than. Mm. Jesus looked at his disciples one day and he said, you think these tricks are cool? Wait. Because greater than these shall ye do. What a powerful statement. But the revelation is simply this. How can we do greater works with a lesser anointing? Mm. Oh, there's power, 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 wonder-working power. We relegate all of the power of the church to the book of Acts church. I remind you today, I am the book of Acts church. You are the book of Acts church. You are not separate from. You are not different from. The book of Acts is that one unique book in the Bible that does not have the final salutation or the period. All of the other books end. Salutations to you all. God's grace to you all. See you later. But the book of Acts does not have that. Meaning that it is still being written today. I contend that the last chapter of the book of Acts will not look any lesser or any weaker than the first two chapters of the book of Acts. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there appeared on them cloven tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them. That's what Pentecost needs today. We need a moment where everybody talks in tongues. We need a moment where we all want the same thing. We all desire the same thing. Come on, apostolics. Hallelujah. We are not weaker than. You've got to help me here today with your faith. We are not weaker than. The church of Jesus Christ is not in trouble. I said the church of Jesus Christ is not in trouble. Our government may be in trouble. Father, help us. Society may be in trouble. Nations may be crumbling around us. But don't you ever bring in that doubt and negativity about the church. Because as long as he is the head, the church is going to be all right. And I'm preaching the church is all right today. You don't no more believe that than a man walked on the moon. If you really believe that, there would be an endowment of power here today that would blow your mind. Because if it's power in the church, I am in the church. The church is in me. That means whatever power the church has, I have. You shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to challenge you here today with your thinking. 
I want to challenge you here today not to become a statistic to Pentecost. That we started good. We started right. But we got to thinking a little more of ourselves than what we probably should have. And we let what we've done become bigger than what we must do. Somebody needs to be taking notes. And so we glory in our past rather than look toward our future. The future of this particular church is greater than your past. Your tomorrow is greater than your yesterdays. Stop looking back and saying, I remember when. I remember how good it was then. And start looking with anticipation to the day that God says, it's going to be like that, but more now. My future is greater than my past. The last book of Acts, the last chapter of the book of Acts is going to be greater than the first chapter of the book of Acts. You've got to believe that today. If we're ever going to take Maryland and Annapolis and the nations in Jesus' name, we've got to believe that he gave the church power. We've got to believe that we we have authority. We've got to believe that we have dominion and might. We are the church. Every time I preach that right now, it just feels like we're hitting a brick wall. I need somebody to help me here today. I'm not preaching a weak, anemic, powerless church. I'm preaching the church of Jesus Christ. You shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. You shall walk upon. You shall tread upon. You shall cast out. You shall tear down. You shall lift up. You shall bind. And you. Sh- Does that sound like a weak church to you here today? If you believe the church is the powerful church of Jesus, jump to your feet, clap your hands, and shout to the top of your voice, Jesus is in charge to the church Jesus is in charge of the church You may be seated. The reason you had to be asked to do that is because the mindset of the church is that of a servant. We believe that Father has all power. We believe that God has all wealth. We believe that He is a healer, a protector, a waymaker. I have notes that I could bring to this pulpit that would preach to you about who He is. And no doubt you would rally with me and shout and talk in tongues and run the aisles because it's exciting. But at some point in time between now and the rapture takes place, the church is going to have to start figuring out who we are. You hear me? The rapture of the church cannot take place until the body asks for it. Are you ready? We've got this preconceived idea that we picked up in our Sunday school classes. That the church is waiting on the rapture. The rapture is waiting on the church. You think God wants anybody else to go to hell? You think God wants this whole world to get worse? How do, how do you deal with Revelation twenty two seventeen, where it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. 
could it be that God is screaming to the top of his lungs? Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, world. But the church has so deafened her ears that she cannot hear what the Spirit is saying. God, today, on this Sunday morning service, allow this particular people to mirror what the Spirit is saying in the church today. Come, church. Rise, church. Be empowered, church. And the church say, this is my moment. This is my hour. This is the... Anytime, anytime you start preaching like I'm preaching, making the statements that I'm making, you have a culture among us that wants to lock it up. They start pushing back. And this culture is the most spiritual among us. Isn't that funny? It's, it's not the weak. It's not the half in, half out. It's the super spiritual folk. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's what I'm fighting through here today. It's those super spiritual folk. Yeah. It's the ones that are addicted to certain things about church. And they mask their spirituality by what they trick others like them to believe that they are. That's a bunch of hogwash. Let me tell you what the church ought to be doing. Whatever Christ is doing. The church ought to be saying whatever Christ is saying. The church ought to be acting whatever Christ is acting. Why is there conflict between the spirit and the bride? My God, what a predicament. Instead of there being conflict or contradiction, let's mirror what the spirit is trying to do to the church. The spirit is not trying to damn the church. It's not trying to hurt the church. It's trying to lift the church. It's trying to establish the church. It's Sit there on me if you want to. It's not going to stop me from preaching what I've come to preach. I am not a servant. You are hearing a son preach today. And I know who daddy is. And I know who I... I take the meaning of that spirit right now in Jesus' name. I bind that spirit in Jesus' name. I cast that spirit out of here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't have segments in the body. You can't have fractions or factions in the body. Either we all supply to the body what the body needs or we are a problem in the body. Well, this group is spiritual and that group's not. There's a problem with the whole body. And if we're not careful, we'll sit here and act like a bunch of servants. And we'll wait to be told what to do. And when to do it. And how to do it. And never enjoy the fullness of dad's house. I was born a servant. I was born a son. And my first recollection is being taught how to act like a son. How to talk like a son. But there is a moment... Of God's divine order. When the son that is acting like a servant. Comes face to face with the father. It's not the servant's choice or the son's choice. But Paul wrote to the church of Galatians. He said at dad's discretion. He's 
going to visit a body. He's going to visit a man or a woman. And he's going to judge you. If you have listened to your tutors. If you have listened to your governors. You ought to be ready to do this. You ought to be talking like that. And if you're not ready. You may be my biological son. But you will not inherit. The richness. And the fullness. Of my economy. I'm not going to live in dad's house. I'm not going to dress how dad wants me to dress. And not be able to spend what dad's got for me to spend. Well, I might as well infuriate the rest of them today, Brother Shelton. Let me tell you why the rest of you are still sitting there. Because you think like a servant. You're waiting on somebody to tell you what to do. You're waiting on somebody to tell you how to act. You're waiting on permission to say yay or amen. Hold that for me, please. There you go. Just, just back up there a few steps. There you go. Thank you. Squat down. No, I didn't say stand up. Have a drink. Y'all think this is funny. It's exactly how y'all have church around here. Okay, I, I got places to preach. Well, if Bishop Wright doesn't come up here and release us and allow us if senior pastor doesn't get up here and tell us, if the right leader doesn't get up here and command us, then we're just not ready to think on our own. We're just not ready to act like we have listened to what we've been taught for 40 years. Could it be that the purpose that I'm here in this church right now is to get you to act like you've been taught for 40 years? Why do you have to be instructed over and over and over? Are you not mature enough? Are you not old enough? Can you not get a Bible study chart and go reach a lost soul? I know. I know. I'm ruffling some feathers and I'm glad. I've been nice for four months. It's time to lay the hammer down and tell this congregation, your moment is here. Daddy's in the house and dad's looking at you saying, you're not ready and you're not quite there. And I think, Come on, church. Come on, congregation. Come on, apostolics. It's time for daddy to judge us. It's time to grow up or shut up. Let me tell you something. Stay standing. You're doing good. I don't want just anybody on my checking account. As much as I love Colton, and as mature as I think he is for a 15-year-old, I don't think he's quite ready to be on my checking account. So here's what I did. I opened an account with me, and then I opened him an account under me, and I attached his account to my account. And so all Colton's got to do is text me and say, can you move $10 for me? And I'll say, what are you going to spend it on? Because that's what a real dad does. He doesn't just give it to you to waste. He teaches you responsibilities. And Colton will say, I'm out with my brothers or out with the church group. And I'm hungry. 
That's a legitimate need. And so I take my phone and I place my thumb on that sensitive device and it opens up Chase's account. And I go into my account and I say, move $10 to his account. And five seconds later, $10 is his account. And he can spend that $10 however he wants to. But Devin is a different story. The other day I sent Devin to my bank. And Devin has a card just like my card. And Devin signs just like I sign. And Devin doesn't need my signature to get all that I have. He is equal to his father. But Devin knows that the wealth in that account belongs to his father. But Devin also has been instructed, if you have a need, you need not ask me. You just need to believe I have some. Come on, Prophet Shelton. Come pray for me. Give me a word. He can give you a word too. She can give you a word too. Why are we acting like servants when we ought to be sons in this house? Hey, Paul, what you doing? I'm going to write to the church of Galatia. I'm going to instruct them of something. And so Paul wrote the letter, not the first four or five chapters. It was a letter. And he begins the letter. You're doing good. What salutation? You can stand up for a minute. Let me, let me give you what this looks like in church. Clap your hands, church. Squat. Lift your hands and pray with me, church. Stand. You laugh at that. You expect that. What you want me to do? Come on, preacher. What you want me to do? Stop asking me. I know. You better be careful. You'll get people acting ignorant. Not here they won't. That's, I meant that. Just like it. Not here they won't. Because the spirit of father is here. You don't think I, you don't think I watch my account? And the first time, if there is a first time, that Devin spins on something I don't think is right, I'll say, hey, don't do that again. But I won't tell him not to spend again. Well, what if I do something that's out of line? Dad will handle it. But he won't, he won't excommunicate you. I'm fixing to wear it out. See, we bring with us, according to Paul, our beggarly elements. How you come into this world, how you grew up in this world, how you come into the church. Okay, okay, stay standing because I'm going to wear it out right now. Let me tell you why the devil is working overtime on moving, removing the masculinity of homes. Let me tell you why there's more women here today that's got problems with husbands and pastors and dads than any other moment of societies. Let me tell you why. Because we're at the rapture age. And the only pattern you have of truly loving and understanding God is loving and understanding first your father, your pastor, your husband. And if he can mess you up there, he messes you up forever. Got girls here right now have been raped and molested. 
messed with by a male, uncles, grandpas, cousins. And you come into church and hear somebody like me telling you, trust. I ain't trusting nothing. You bring, I'm going to get the guys next. You bring with you that beggarly element. And it's easy to get you out of Egypt. But the task is getting Egypt out of you. God help me today. I can preach anybody out of Egypt. You know, here's how easy it is. Get up. Get out. You're out of Egypt. Repent. Get baptized and receive. You're out of Egypt. That's the easy part. The hard part is getting the appetite of garden leeks and onions out of your mouth. Because you grew up eating Egypt's fare. And you have not developed a taste or an appetite for milk and honey. Because you cannot lust after what you've never had. I feel the Holy Ghost here. I, I feel you. You can't. You can't hunger. How many of you like some? Uh, how many of you like fried worms? Well, why not? How many likes ribeyes? Oh yeah. So the most of you like steak, but you don't like worms. You know, there's cultures in our world that likes worms. They don't like cow. See, the difference is you eat cow. So what you eat is what you want. Oh, you think I'm joking? Why did Moses, under the commandment of God, take them to the bit of water? Because there was a film, there was a nastiness to it that caused dysentery. Because the majority, I know this is a, a horrible uh, life lesson on Sunday morning church, but the majority of your taste buds, your desire comes from your colon tract. And so the Lord said, I got to clean you up on the inside. I got to get things that you're used to eating out of you. And so what happens is when we come to church, we get this right. That's quick. That's getting you out of Egypt. But how you react to preaching like this morning. You telling me what to do? I, I had a husband reminded me of you, you of him, snap his fingers at me and tell me what to do. My daddy treated me like that. My drag that beggarly element. Come on, drag that suitcase into church. Scoot your neighbor over. Make sure you bring room for your attitude. Ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do. Uh-huh, I'm on it now. You forget I ride rough horses. I may look city, but I'm a cowboy. Harder they buck, the better I like them. Because eventually I'm going to stick it and they're going to wear out. I need a drink. You come to me.
Watch our leading songwriters and musicians. Here's how they want to sing. I'm meddling. We're bringing an attitude of Pentecost that comes set. Ever since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven suffereth, E-T-H, not suffered, suffereth. Since the moment it walked the earth, hell attacks it. Hell doesn't. And you want to fight hell like this? Let me tell you what Jesus said. But the kingdom, the violent. And you're trying to have church like a bunch of Pentecostal sissies. When you ought to be on your feet right now. Shaking your fist. Saying we are the church of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what the Democratic Party or the Republican Party does. We're the church. We are sons. If you understood my plight, if you understood my life, I don't have to. You need to understand who you really are. You're not a weak Christian. You are the son of Jesus Christ. You are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The blood of Calvary pumps to your veins. Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus. Come on, Pentecostals. It's time for a revolution. You're waiting on me. You're acting like a servant. You're waiting on me. You're not waiting on me. You are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You can walk into this place and kick over tables. You can cast out devils. You can tear down principalities and powers. You can bind and loose. Because the same spirit that was in Christ, it is in the church.
I, I hope, I, I hope this is not misunderstood. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean, but I think, I think the enemy is smarter than we give him credit for. Come here, Under Armour. You look like a tough little fella. Now look, I'm not, I'm not talking about bullying and, and berating people, but listen, when we grew up, boys perfected boys. Does that make sense? I, I had three brothers, and we never got to stand. My dad didn't have to say much. One of them, stand like that. Just, just one. You look, you look kind of, there you go. I'm glad it's difficult for you. My older or my younger, they'd go, quit standing like that. And he'd make you go, ah. There's a reason the enemy is after our masculinity. Because there was a day in Pentecost where we had the kind of church. Oh. Where we weren't afraid to go. That didn't bother us. Now, we're going to love everybody. And we're going to accept the differences. Sound like Washington, doesn't it? Sound like society, doesn't it? Now, hey, I jerked my number three boy out of school when in school. Now, I'm not, not for him using words like this, but he was there with his little buddies at public school, and he said, dude, hey, quit acting like that. That's how fags act. Don't judge me. But when I was a kid that identified a lifestyle, not a person. I know, that didn't go over good. Just, just take your medicine. And so, one of the boys heard my boy say it to his buddy and went and told the principal. We were notified and went to school and they said, it is now a felony. You can't use those words. And because we're going to give you one warning. And we politely took the warning and were thankful for it. And he never went back to school. I'm not for using those terms, but neither am I for building a son who cannot be strong enough to protect what God gave him in a garden. Let me help some of you today. God gave Adam the garden. He said, this is yours. This little piece of heaven is yours. I give it to you. But you will have to dress it and keep it. Where are the keepers of Pentecost? We're selling our masculinity by the gallon. The days of John the Baptist, it has cried a violent spirit. Where is the violence of Pentecost? I'll tell you where it is. It's being pillaged, it's being sacrificed, it's being given. It's, it's, it's running out of our churches like a river. We don't want to offend somebody. We don't want to make somebody mad. We want to be all things to all people. Yes, yes we do. But not at the cost of Calvary. I have family members. 
I have cousins, same last name as I, that have chosen a lifestyle that I am adamantly opposed to. That doesn't keep me from going to family reunion with them. You understand me? But when I'm around them, they don't get any choices. They don't, they don't get a chance to take a pot shot at my lifestyle. I am what I am because of a divine decree. You are what you are because of sin. That wasn't created in the garden. It was after the garden. I am the original pattern. Oh, Shataya. See, even here today, we've got a bunch of folk that don't like this kind of stuff. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see. We are not servants. We are not. Paul said to the church of Galatia, I'm hurrying. Paul told the church of Galatia, he said, let me tell you, earnestly contend for this. Don't you dare let it go. He's writing a letter. It's not the first, second chapter. You can stop now. You're a good servant. He said the first, second, third chapter, and then he gets to the third part or the latter end of the letter, and he starts saying, ye are Abraham's seed. Ye are blessed with Abraham. You are not a plurality of seeds, but you are the singularity of seed. If God blessed Abraham, God must bless you. Right? This is the third chapter. He said, do not fall prey to the thinking that's trying to rob the church. That we are less than Abraham. That we are not equal to Abraham. For if Christ is in you. Look, I'm out of time. But it's in there. If Christ is in you, ye are Abraham's seed. Has anybody been born again of water and spirit here today? Have you repented of your sins? Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Have you received? Bless your heart, you are Abraham's seed. I said you are Abraham's seed. I said you are blessed with faithful Abraham. Every promise that God gave Abraham, God promised. If, if you believe that, will you just give me a right hand? You, you believe that? Then how come you don't claim where your feet go? Several years ago, when I got this. While I was preaching, I had been down to the Dodge place. And it was when the Dodge Durangos first come out. Fell in love with them. Now look, I'm not blabbing and grabbing. I don't believe you can preach pink Cadillacs into existence. I don't believe that stuff. But I do believe that God hears us. And if it is a legitimate need, he'll answer us. And so while I was preaching, out of nowhere I said, God's going to give me a brand new Dodge Durango. And boy, it felt good to say that. Man, I mean, it felt really good. I said, matter of fact, it's going to be bronze. Four-wheel drive. I just started describing it. Just this is what it's going to be. I said, and I'm going to pay cash for it. Now, that was the funny part. And so, a few weeks later, I was preaching again. I said it again. And, uh, that afternoon, we started looking at the giving, and there was a special envelope in there. 
And the special envelope says, Pastor Morgan, tithe for new Durango. Guess what I did? Monday morning, I went down and bought my new Dodge Durango bronze four-wheel drive, just like I said it. Now, now look, look. A few days ago, I was with my buddy, and he was telling me this cool story about how that he wanted or needed a pair of shoes, and he went down to Dillard's and sat in at Dillard's holding his pair of shoes, and had a little lady was helping him. Am I telling it right? I said, can I help you? He said, no. What, hour and a half or so? You said, some, a couple hours, he sat in this pair of shoes, and he said, Lord told me somebody's going to come pay for them. He's working. I just want to rub that shoe. And I'm thinking, now God, if you'll do it for him, you ought to do it for me. Except I don't need a pair of shoes. I need an overcoat. Now, I'm from SoCal. We don't wear overcoats. And uh, this is a new territory for me to have to have an overcoat. So I got the price of overcoats. Them jokers are expensive. My word, Gertie. Seven hundred, eight hundred dollars. I'm thinking, well, thank you. Got a dollar? I got to thinking, there ain't no way I can afford an eight hundred dollar overcoat. So somebody said Dillard's is having a half off sale. I went, I went to Dillard's. Still couldn't afford it, but I went to Dillard's. And I found it. Everything I've been looking for. Black, nice, overcoat. 50% off. That joker was still. I think the cost was $761 and 50% of that. I'm thinking, I know, it ain't a poor, it ain't sin to be poor, but it is unhandy. You might as well laugh. You know I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And I'm thinking, now how, what credit card do I have left after Colton's problems? With any room on it. And, and I'm thinking, okay. I said, do you mind holding this till tomorrow? How many of you ever said that? you mind holding this till tomorrow? I said, yeah, you know, it's a good thing because we're going to have an additional 30% off tomorrow. Man, that's a good deal, but I still couldn't afford it. And so I said, hold it. So I went home and forgot about it till about 10 minutes to 8 the next day. I had my wife call and the lady said, yeah, you know, we're not supposed to do this, but we'll hold it for him till in the morning. So I ate dinner and I'm sitting there thinking, this don't feel right. There's just something about this don't feel right. So I called down and I said, look, will you really hold it? He said, who is this? Well, my wife just called. I said, we, we don't have an overcoat for you. And I'm like, you do have. I, I, I was down there. You put it on hold. My wife just called. He said, I can't find it. Good grief. Ignorant people. It's okay. I'll be honest if you will. Hang up the phone. I get in my car and I drive down there. I walk right to the overcoat. Right where the guy put it 24 hours ago. Picked it up, hung it on the little thing that they bag them in. And finally, the little guy comes around and I said, I'm here to get this overcoat. And he said, okay. And so he starts bagging and I said, I, hold it just a minute. He said, oh, okay, I, I forgot. You, you want to take the additional 30 off. So I'll give you a refund and then I'll just charge you the 80%. I said, no, 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 no. I haven't paid for this. He said, oh, yeah, it's paid for. I said, no, I haven't. Really? Really? He said, yeah, now you want the other 30 off? I said, no, sir. Bag it. I'll take it just like it is. Now, wait a minute. If God would hear this son. Does he have respecter of sons? If God would hear him 
And then because I say, well, if you'll do it for Scotty boy, you ought to do it for Jeffy Jeff. I wonder what would happen if you would say, if God will do it for them fellas. But no, 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 you're not going to do that because you're a servant. See, the only language you understand is, here, you can have that. Give me the leftovers. Give me the crumbs. Give me what you think I deserve. That's how a servant talks. But trust me, I got four of these dudes. Sons don't think like that. Oh, no, they don't. Trust me. I was in my garage this week trying to find it and found some rifles in one of my cases. I didn't put them there. And when I did this research, I found that my boys had borrowed them. They don't ask. You know why? Because they know it's theirs. See, you don't more believe what I'm telling you right now. That's why you're still sick in your body. That's why you're still wrestling with depression. That's why you're still psychotic. You do not no more. You're waiting on me to say, come on, folks. Come on, choir. Come on, singers. Let's shout. And you'll get your little. Because you have been given permission to act like that. You don't think you've earned the right to act like that. You don't think you can walk through those doors and say, this is the day that you made. I will rejoice because it's my day. If you need a miracle, you ought to be on your feet right now. If you need healing, you ought to be on your feet right now. If you need God to do something, you ought to be on your feet right now. Saying this is my day. Not Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Wherefore the law was schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after, after faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ and if you be Christ then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the same promise and Paul summed up the Jew, the Gentile the Old Testament, the New Testament intertwining of faith and he began the latter end of that chapter by saying now I say See, one, two, and three was foundational. It just, it laid the point. It gave the introduction to what he really wanted to tell Galatia. He said, now I say, you see Abraham as the father of all, the great man of faith to whom all was, do you know that if Abraham touched it, it was his? Hey, Abraham, whatsoever thy feet goes shall be yours. Oh, we need to pause just a minute. Let that sink in. Abraham, what are you doing? I'm, I'm trading borders for horizons. I can't help but think this church is 
imprisoned by borders. And you need to have horizons. Wherever you go, just touch it. Uh, Blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt thou be in the bed. Blessed going. Blessed coming. Blessed standing. Blessed sleeping. Blessed eating. Blessed your tractor, your horse, your car, your bank, your basket. Blessed, 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 blessed. Anything you do is blessed. If thou shalt hearken diligently and do all whatsoever I have commanded thee this day. See, we want the blessings, but we don't want the responsibilities. Okay, this is what he's talking about. He said, but now the problem is the air is no different from that of a servant. Though the heir is Lord of all. So because he is immature, the father, through his wisdom, puts him in a class. And he is given instructors and tutors. They instruct him how to act. They instruct him how to talk. They instruct him how to conduct business. And then there is a surprise visit sometime. The instructor and the tutors don't know. The child doesn't know. But the father just feels something in his spirit that it's time to check on my son. And dad walks in and says, I think you're ready. Right? It is the father who makes the call based on the actions of his son. So what does dad look for? A boy, generally less speaking, a child that acts like he knows who he is. I did not make this. I have not earned this. I have inherited this. It is in my genealogy. It is my DNA. It is all my father's. But my father has entrusted this into my hands. And so when I spend, I spend what is my father's. But not just my father's. I spend my future inheritance. What? Because we are all in this training ground called life. Who we will eventually rule and reign as kings and priests and judges. So God allows you to act here in the dressing room of life. How he wants you to act when you rule his domain there. That's why you've got to stop acting like you do not know who you are. If, because, and I'm done with this, and because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, you have a pattern. Last but not least, wherefore thou art no more servant, but a son. Watch what he says. Thou art no more servant, but a son. That is a statement. But he ends it. And if a son, it's almost like he's saying, you were born, your genetics, your DNA, this is who you're supposed to be. You are a son. And if a son, it's almost as if Paul knew you're at a moment of transition. You're at a moment that the father has chose for you. It's very important that you make the right decision here right now. Are you going to be a servant or are you going to be sons? And I, I try to understand the Sunday morning and the Sunday night. But I'm preaching the Sunday morning here today. You hear me? I'm preaching the Sunday morning here today. 
We are sons, not servants. We are sons, not servants. We are sons and not servants. Stop letting people. Stop allowing the adversary. Stop letting society or crisis or dilemmas. Be who God made you to be today. Be what God made you to be today. Are you a son or you a servant? Now, typically, Pentecost, we preach for the climax at the end of the service, right? Do you see the paradox we're in right now? Because if I preach you to a frenzy, you'll respond because I told you to. And that makes you servants. But if I grab my glasses, close them, and lay the mic down and walk off, sons will know what to do. I don't want to coach you. I don't want to tell you what to do. But a son understands. A son knows what needs to be done because he spent enough time around his father. He knows his father's heartbeat. He knows his father's desire. He knows what his father would want. He seeks to please his father.
Come on, Dad's got a whole lot of confidence in you. Come on, he has invested his entire wealth in you. He believes in you. He has confidence in you. He wants you to speak. He wants you to act with maturity. Come on. That's it. Come on, believer. Come on, joint heir with Jesus. What do you think your elder brother would do if he was here in body here today? What do you think Christ would do if he walked these aisles here today? That's our responsibility to find out. Come on, believers. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Father. I am a son, not a servant. I am a son, not a servant. I am a son, not a servant. Would you stand with me just a moment? I'm not asking you to come, but if you're in this place and you need a miracle in your body, you need a touch of the Holy Ghost, would you lift your hands? You need God to do something. You don't have to come. Just lift your hands. Keep them up. I just, I just want to get a... There are 26, 27, 28... 29, 30, or 31 needs, 31 needs. What do you think the Lord would do if, if he walked in here with us today, in, in body? What do you think he would do? Do you think somehow he'd make his way toward the folks that were in need? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not setting you up, just honest. Do you think he would migrate that direction? He wasn't one that would go to the people that didn't need him. He always seemed to find the ones that... The revelation that the Lord gave me as the two preachers went into the temple is one that I think we need here today. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. Right? But the phrase right before the silver and gold is what we need today. They said, look on us. We're going we're gonna to speak for Christ. Look at me, because I'm going to tell you what He wants you to hear. You with me? Folks, we are not servants here today. 
You were divinely created, positioned, empowered for moments like this. To be able to look at those in need and say, look at me. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the cross, I speak a word out of your belly. You know what we're saying this morning? Out of your belly. Out of your belly. 31 needs here today. What are we going to do about them? If you're hungry, we'll go home. If you're tired, we'll dismiss. But what does, what does dad want? Do you see how easy we accuse ourselves of the responsibility of dad? What would happen if you turn to the one in need and say, I want you to look at me. Well, perhaps if you'd call a healing line or Brother Shelton or Brother Wright or somebody would, we, that's not what happens. That's what servants do. That's not what sons do. Sons just reach over and put their hand on somebody's shoulder or head and say, in the name of my father, in the name of Jesus, I speak a word of healing because this is what dad wants for you. Now again, if I have to instruct you, then it's a show of servitude. But if you'll grasp what dad would want to do right now and operate accordingly, that's maturity. What do you think dad would want to do in the closing moments of this Sunday morning service? Hmm.
come on. I hear sons talking right now. This is what it sounds like when sons understand who they are. We are not servants. We understand that in the name of Jesus, all power is given. In keeping with the spirit of today, when you need to go, you can go. But we're not going to dismiss today. We're just going to keep seeking the Lord, praying as long as we feel to do so. If you need to go, you can go. God bless you. Thank you for coming. But we're not going to dismiss. We're going to continue to promote an atmosphere of prayer and ministry.